0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Preacher Boys podcast, a podcast dedicated to shedding light on abuse within independent fundamental Baptist churches and equipping survivors on their healing journey. On today's episode, I'm going to be recapping some of the headlines that surfaced this week. Almost all of these stories took place in the past couple of days, and there is an additional story I'll be covering that took place back in June. So I'm going to break down each of these stories. If you want to skip around or you want to listen to specific stories, but you want to skip some others, you can go to the show notes of this episode and you can find timestamps so you can skip to whatever stories are of interest to you. But for those listening through the entire episode, let's get into our first story. This story was originally reported on by Vermilion County. First, you can find a link to the article in the description of this episode. On August 1st, Robert Lizelle, former principal of First Baptist School and a deacon at First Baptist Church, was sentenced to 12 years in prison after pleading guilty to criminal sexual assault against former student Michael Young. It's important to note that Lizelle is the third prominent former staff member to be charged with sexual crimes against minors since the late 90s. During Lizelle's sentencing hearing, Young and his family shared their accounts of Lizelle's prolonged pursuit and abuse of Young. Recently, on August 18th, members of the Blue Shirt Coalition, a group supporting Young, gathered outside First Baptist Church along Vermilion Street to protest. Protesters, including Kate Gibson and Melissa Anderson, highlighted the need for open discussions about the issue and the importance of creating internal reporting mechanisms for children who feel unsafe. They urged greater oversight of school and church staff, emphasizing that accountability is not persecution. Despite the protest, church leadership did not engage with the demonstrators and requested media presence to leave the property without providing further comments. And next, a pastor was arrested for masturbating outside of a Walmart. This story involves the pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Antioch, Illinois. The Kenosha County Eye reports that in the early morning of August 10th at a summer's Walmart, an individual was reportedly observed fully naked standing next to a black truck masturbating. The Kenosha County Sheriff's Department made an arrest and the individual was later identified as 57-year-old pastor Thomas Bartmer. Thomas Bartmer, as per his website, which has now been wiped, has been a pastor at Lighthouse Church in Antioch, Illinois. His journey into the ministry began with a Lutheran upbringing, and his history is marked by his involvement with various churches where he held leadership roles, including teaching, preaching, and work with community programs. He began Lighthouse Baptist Church on September 6, 1997, and on March 27, 1999, Lighthouse constituted as a self-sustaining church and was granted official membership in the Illinois Baptist State Association and the Southern Baptist Convention. The church website declares, Lighthouse continues to this day to show the love of Christ to the world, all the while remaining solidly devoted to biblical principles. Behind every act of service is the faithful commitment of its members and leaders to maintain a biblically-centered theology and a ministry that brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. Anyway, after Bartmer was caught masturbating in a Walmart parking lot and saw deputies approaching, Bartmer quickly attempted to get into the truck while still naked. Bartmer later admitted to the act and was arrested on charges of disorderly conduct and lewd and lascivious actions, both misdemeanors. As of now, Lighthouse Church has not issued an official public statement addressing the incident. Our third story comes from Madison, Wisconsin, where Baptist pastor Robert Stein has been charged with child sexual assault following an investigation into allegations that he inappropriately touched children in his care. News 3 reports Robert Stein faces two felony charges of first-degree child sex assault, sexual contact, or sexual intercourse with a person under the age of 13, online court records show. In July, Pastor Stein of Midvale Baptist Church had his license revoked for operating the church's Kids Best Child Care facility in June. The action followed an inquiry by the Wisconsin Department of Children and Families and the Madison Police Department. A young girl reported that Stein assaulted her on three separate occasions. Legal documents indicate that the mother of a girl under 13 years old contacted the Madison Police in April of the current year about an incident involving her daughter during her participation in Stein's summer camp in 2018 and 2019 at the Midvale Baptist Church. The girl, after a school sex education course about inappropriate behavior, informed her family about three incidents involving Stein when she was nine years old and attending the kids' best day camp. These incidents included Stein inappropriately touching and giving her massages while allegedly erect and other inappropriate behavior. The girl disclosed that Stein told her she was, quote, special and that he was proud of her. Additionally, there was an incident where Stein made her sit on his lap in the dark during a game called Murder in the Dark and engaged in inappropriate conduct. The girl initially did not know how to react to these incidents due to her trust in Stein as an adult. Over time, she learned more about boundaries and her body, which made her uncomfortable with the situation. She felt guilty for a while and believed it was her fault until she eventually discussed the incidents with a friend at school who had also experienced similar inappropriate contact with Stein. This led to the girl informing school social worker and later her mother about the event. School officials and the girl's mother alerted child protective services and the police, and the police investigation gathered corroborative evidence, including a medical incident on the same day as the assault. There were previous concerns raised about Stein's behavior in 2021 when witnesses informed the Department of Natural Resources and the Middleton Police Department about his inappropriate actions toward a child during an outing to Devil's Lake State Park. However, no further action was taken at that time. During the ongoing Police investigation, Stein continued to preach occasionally and lead business meetings until late July, as indicated by videos on the church's YouTube channel. However, these videos were removed following News 3 showing intention to report on the story. The church also took down its website shortly after the news broke. Stein's attorney, Chris Van Wagner, confirmed that Stein resigned from the Midvale Baptist Church after the initial report by News 3 investigates. Stein maintains his innocence and denies any wrongdoing, expressing his desire to spare the church and its members from unnecessary distractions. An initial court appearance for Stein is scheduled for August 24th, in just a couple days from now. And the last thing I want to cover is two names that are fairly well known within IFB circles have made some. Very unhelpful commentary and discourse surrounding clergy abuse and victims within the church. Now, there is certainly no shortage of unhelpful commentary and discourse surrounding clergy abuse, but these two are particularly terrible examples. And considering that they come from higher profile voices adjacent to the IFB, I wanted to talk about them. One comes from Shelley Hamilton, wife of the late Ron Hamilton, better known as Patch the Pirate. And she posted something just recently that I would love to address. And the other comes from Ken Scop and his co-host on his podcast, and that came out in June, but just came across my desk this week. Let's go ahead and start with Shelley Hamilton's post. Shelly's post read Victor, not Victor. Victim. Now, whenever you see these words, it's a buzzword that gets thrown around within IFB circles all the time. Are you going to be bitter? Are you going to be better? Are you going to be a victim? Are you going to be a victor? This kind of unhealthy language has popped up over and over and over again, but I decided to keep reading to see what Shelley had to say. She says, I've heard far too many stories of young people criticizing their Christian homes, schools, and churches on public social media platforms. Some go after these institutions with a venom Satan himself would be proud to claim. It appears to be a popular trend. Once one person starts the rampage of blaming anything and everything God put in their path, then another gets on board. One person equals two, equals four, equals eight, and so forth exponentially the problem explodes something a lone wolf denounces spreads like a plague and starts festering in hearts and minds the ugly virus calls out to young people everywhere get on board it's the thing you can blame your upbringing for all your problems there's comfort in being part of the herd now, i'm going to pause right now from what she's saying and address what is said so far within this statement because this is something that i see said by many people Within the IFB. When you see movements like Preacher Boys, or you see groups of people gathering around survivor pages or uh, people who have left abusive church environments, yes, it is true. These people do start to find other people who have been through the same experiences. This is a normal thing to see happen. I don't think this is happening because it's easy or this is the thing to do, as she says. Um, And I don't think that there's comfort in doing this. Um, I do think it helps to have a community of people around you, but I think largely most people that I talk to who've been through severe abuses would rather not be. Publicly involved in some of these discussions, but have been forced to be because of misinformation that's spread about them by their church, because they need to share their side of the story, because they feel like they just disappeared from a community. There's a lot of reasons. And I think when you see this get chalked up to just a, you know, what she calls throughout her you know, statement and and what many people in the comments called victim culture, you know, I think it's very unhelpful and it's a misdiagnosis of what is really happening. Are there people who left relatively, you know, vanilla environments who are, you know, extremely upset about maybe some of the rules or some of the more hard-nosed kind of approaches to dress standards and things like that? Yes, absolutely. But I would say the people who are really making a time criticizing uh, Christian homes, schools, churches on social media platforms are doing so because they had horrifically tragic experiences. And this entire statement from top to bottom is very dismissive about that. Um, I'll continue with her statement. She says, are homes, churches, or schools perfect? I don't know of any. And I would agree with that statement. Uh, do Christians make mistakes? Yes, all the time. I would agree with that statement. But young people, please don't let your parents, teachers, and or pastors' mistakes condone yours. Now, she doesn't say exactly what these mistakes are, but you know I'm sure people can deduce um, what some of the things she might be referring to uh, would be. Um, I wish she would have given some more clarity and more specific examples. Uh, but she says, I want to tell you the backstory of someone who works at Majesty Music, Uh, which is of course the ministry that she runs. Uh, She says, this woman is lovely, vivacious, upbeat, fun-loving, God-serving, and sweet. She has a few of what could be considered quote, legitimate circumstances that can make anyone become bitter. Number one, she was adopted. Number two, her dad was a pastor but had to step down, not because of his own doing. Number three, she and her brother were raised uh, most of their growing up years by their dad. Her brother then became a leukemia survivor. And I must admit, although I've known her for the eight years she's worked in customer service at Majesty Music, it was not until yesterday I learned some of her upbringing. I was shocked. I would never, by the spirit she displays on a daily basis, have dreamt these, quote, could be reasons – of a despondent and bitter identity existed. No, not Andrea Allen. Andrea is a victor, not a victim. I think of Dr. Ben Carson, whose father left him because he had a previous yet still existing wife and family when he married Ben's mother. Ben's mother therefore had to scrape for every penny earned and work multiple jobs to put food on the table and a roof over their head. She became depressed and spent months in a mental facility, but Ben Carson became a victor, not a victim. A victim walks through sand and sees dirt. A Victor walks through sand and sees the ingredients to build a sandcastle. I say shame on you if you publicly condemn a home, parents, a church, or a school who tried to the best of their ability to love you and serve Christ. You are responsible for your attitude and actions. You don't have to lift those up as perfect who give you food, shelter, training, preaching, and Christian community, but you certainly should not throw them in the dirt." Uh, I want to pause here again and talk about this because this is one of the things where, again, clarity is helpful. You're making a statement as an influencer within this circle. Um, yes, it's a small pond, but you're a big fish within that small pond. And you're sitting here giving some extreme examples. You talk about, uh, you know, thinking of Ben Carson, whose father left because he had a previous family. Uh, you talk about all of these different uh, situations that are very, very extreme. And then you go, I say, sham on you if you condemn a home, parents, church, school who tried for the best of the ability to love you and serve Christ. Uh, A victim uh, walks through sand and sees dirt. A victor walks through sand and sees the ingredients to build a sandcastle, which is such a weird statement. Um, But one of the things that's not helpful here is that there's no clarity as to what you can call out, what you can address. If someone had a whole other family, like she gives in this example, uh, were they doing their best to show you uh, love and how to serve Christ? Um, were these people who were fulfilling their role? Um, if you have a Christian family that is extremely abusive, um, should you still be grateful for them teaching you about this doctrine and theology, even though? All of their actions lived contrarily to what they said they believed. And again, this is where she doesn't give any example. And she's speaking to victims and putting more responsibility on victims than to the people who are creating the victims. That's the issue that I see with this statement and with the Ken Scott podcast I'm going to talk about in just a minute. This whole post is telling victims how they should feel about people who. Said that they believed one thing and acted completely contrarily to that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and keep reading. It says, Please be respectful of those who dedicated their lives and substance to rear you and teach you. Forgive the mistakes and don't make them the cause of your bitterness. Listen to the words of one who overcame. Again, what mistakes are we, quote unquote, forgiving? What are the things that happen? Is it abuse? Is it neglect? Is it some of the other examples that you just gave? In which case, What are we being thankful for in these situations? Why are you prodding people to give thanks for this type of person? Now, again, I can agree largely with the idea of, you know, your parents are doing your best and they're going to make a lot of mistakes. As a parent myself, I know this to be true, but you're giving such a broad brush to sweep under the rug so many real horrific traumas that happen within a lot of IFP churches and beyond. Uh, She says, uh, quoting Andrea here, she says, I started taking piano lessons in K-5, continued through most of my school years. Later, I took accordion, marimba, and organ lessons for a short time. I worked as a telephone salesperson in high school and at the information desk in college. Little did I know that God would use all these things to help me many years later in my work at Majesty Music. I used to play the song Rejoice in the Lord over and over on the piano, working through many emotions and feelings. Again, little did I know that I would eventually work for the man who wrote the song. What a gift it is to be part of this family and ministry." I enjoy working on my flower beds, playing hymns on the piano for stress relief, traveling with my husband to the beach and the mountains, cooking and having all my family around the dinner table, loving on my granddaughter and all things candy corn. And of course, Andrea says, have a blessed day on purpose. Now, look, I'm not going to speak to Andrea's story because it sounds like she is a very kind person. She's living a life that she enjoys and she loves spending time with family. And I don't want to get into all of that. I want to get to the heart really of the, post itself and what Shelley is trying to communicate. And again, I think that this post really lacks any nuance or grace for those who've experienced legitimate abuse or trauma within the church. There's a big difference between being grateful for imperfect people who did their best to love and help you and silently allowing and accepting legitimately evil and abusive people to continue onward. Rape, molestation, physical beatings, and more do not count as mistakes and young people hurt have every right to share their story surviving these things with anyone who will listen and in any format in which they want to share those stories. How great it would be for people like Shelley and for the church to embrace these survivors and hear them from where they are than to scold them for how and why they are sharing what happened. I have all these same issues with the next thing I want to talk about, which is this podcast from Ken Scott. This episode originally dropped on their podcast, June 13th, 2023. It was released on the Spirit Forward podcast hosted by Joshua Smith, who is the pastor at Cowan Mill Church in Winston, Georgia, and Ken Scott, who's the lead pastor at The Father's House in Westchester, Ohio. Most listening to the podcast are probably familiar with the name Scott, but for those who aren't, not. Ken Scott is the son of disgraced pastor Jack Scott. Jack Scott led the First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana, from 2001 until 2012, when it was discovered he was sexually abusing a 16-year-old girl who was a member of his congregation. He was subsequently arrested and sentenced to 12 years in federal prison for transportation of a minor across state lines with the intent of engaging in sexual abuse. Now, do not mishear me. Ken Scott is in no way responsible. Or is he connected or share any fault with Jack Scott for that abuse? I don't feel like I need to say that, but I want to make sure that I'm extremely clear here. I do not hold Ken accountable for the sins of his father. What I will say is that this story is given as context in the podcast episode as to why there are few people who are more qualified to talk about the subject of church hurt than Ken Scop. And as much as I can sympathize for Ken for the shock that comes from your father committing an atrocious act, this is something that I cannot possibly fathom. This is a uh, a, a twist that would come out that would destroy uh, really anybody who experiences it. I have extreme sympathy for Ken in this regard, but in no way does his father being a sexual predator make 10 the most important voice when it comes to hurt within the church. The most important voices when it comes to people who have been harmed by abusers in the church would be the victims themselves. And there are a lot of statements and a lot of thoughts given to victims throughout this podcast. And again, the entire podcast is focused on what victims should be doing and the responsibility of victims and how victims should feel and how victims should act. Not Addressing the perpetrators who are creating victims over and over and over and over again. If this podcast was going to be done in a correct way and not handle the subject extremely poorly, like I feel like it does, and like many of the sound bites I'm going to play are going to show you, they should have brought on a survivor. But instead, Ken Scop and Josh are brought in and But instead, Ken Scott and Joshua Smith just share their opinions, their thoughts on how this topic should be tackled. Here's an idea. If you're going to do a topic like this, bring on survivors. I'm not sitting here saying I'm more qualified than Ken Scott. In fact, I would say that Ken Scott has had a much closer upfront look to how devastating this is in the church. This is not a me versus Ken Scott thing. This is the fact that I don't see myself as fully qualified either. That's why I bring on so many experts and first and foremost, so many survivors to tell me how the church should deal with this, how abuse actually affected them and what the church can do better to serve these survivors. And that is something that is missing so like noticeably from this episode is it is a lot of telling survivors, do this, do that, feel this way, do this thing, don't treat your abuser this way. It is such an unhelpful and damaging episode for anyone looking for legitimate help. I'm going to get you back into today's episode in just a moment. But first, I want to thank the sponsor that is making today's episode possible. And that sponsor is Factor. Factor creates no prep, no mess meals. You can meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, no matter how many podcasts you're recording, going up and down the stairs, trying to take meetings, whatever you're doing, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And I can say this from experience. They were kind enough to send me a couple of meals for this week, and I enjoyed one just shortly before reading this ad. And it is amazing. And with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. You can make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert and stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And these aren't meals that skimp on quality either. You've got things like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, and so much more. So if you want to try it, go head over to factormeals.com. Slash Preacher Boys fifty and use code Preacher Boys five zero to get fifty percent off your first box plus twenty percent off your next month. That's code Preacher Boys five zero at Factormeals.com dot com slash Preacher Boys fifty to get fifty percent off your first box plus twenty percent off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check out Factor and now check out the rest of this episode. There's a couple sound bites in this that I can just mention quickly, and I'll play them. You can hear it for yourself, and I'll give a couple thoughts here and there. But like I said, first and foremost, Ken is propped up as being uh, the most <laughs> eligible to speak about this stuff.
3: Frankly, Ken, if there's anyone qualified to talk about church abuse and church hurt, I mean you've you've seen it all. You've you've been in the midst of all of it, and um, and yet here you stand to testify of the healing of Jesus to walk in freedom to be able to bless those who curse you and so forth. Um, So I think this is going to be a conversation that helps a ton of people.
0: I think he extremely uh, frequently in the episode downplays uh, abuse within the conversation and really eliminates a lot of the corporate responsibility of the church when it comes to this topic. Um, There is a good part of the conversation uh, in the episode where You know, they talk about pastors apologizing, uh, and it's the first time many survivors hear an apology from a pastor. I thought that was spot on, really good stuff. Uh, but throughout the episode, in other places, they say things that contradict that. Like in the beginning, they go on this uh, bit of a rant about how this stuff has been happening in so many different ministries. There's been a lot of documentaries about it recently, um, and there's been a lot of church hurt uh, since the church started. And uh, they talk about you know if the internet had been around in the day, there'd be some one star reviews on Yelp. It's just handled in a in a very uh, in in a, in a very light way. I felt like that was Pretty insensitive, um, and they mentioned that they're not going to be uh, insensitive to that episode. But I felt like, honestly,
1: they they frankly really were. You know, there's there's always some scandal going on, but it seems that with the popularity of Christian themed entertainment, correspondingly, mm. there has been an increase in um, document documentaries and um, you know different different shows kind of exposing the the dark underbelly of different ministries. yeah. Uh, So I know there's been some stuff about Hillsong uh, quite a bit, right? So what was news headlines two years ago is now a documentary. There's been a lot of stuff about the Christian, the homeschool movement in America. And I think Amazon has done something about, uh, you know, tying the Duggar family to all that. And uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's always something, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and it's something that uh, myself and and many friends of mine in my home church uh, years ago, experienced all too personally. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's been a lot of church hurt since the church started. And, yes. you know, even in the book of Acts, there's a lot of emotions that you don't see. Luke doesn't record the emotions, but I'm sure that, um, if Anna, Ananias and Sapphira had relatives in the church,
2: oh, <laughs> there man. was
1: probably some like one star reviews <laughs> oh, on Yelp for that church. um, and you know, from all from Luke's perspective, this had to happen. Um, and I don't mean to make light of it, but you know it's not too soon. It's been 2,000 years. We can make light of that one. We promise we promise we'll be more sensitive towards uh, issues and not be dismissive.
0: Now, Ken does dive in a little bit to some of the background uh, that he had at First Baptist Church of Hammond, uh, but he's pretty vague legitimately. I mean, he's legitimately pretty vague. He talks a little bit about a couple scandals, but doesn't go into details, doesn't name the church, doesn't name some of the the, the bigger issues that happened. Um, it is a, a pretty light brush on
1: the backstory there. In my home church, there were several significant scandals that um, that happened before I was born, and growing up they were like talked about like they were called battles and they were talked about by years so there was always the battle of 84 the battle of 89 Mm. and i didn't know what that meant you know and and as a pastor i understand Mm. how how difficult um a season can be when you lose people so i'm i can see why they would call it a battle but as i got older and um Learned about some of those battles, I realized that there were there were scandals, there were scandalous things that happened, and um, in some cases they were never discussed, never uh, resolved, and it hurt a lot of people. So, like sure. many Christians, I was a part of a church at the time that had that had those scandals, and then as we referenced in our inner healing episode, uh, a very personal scandal took place um, when I was in more leadership. I was the vice president of a of the college there. And uh, my dad was the pastor, and um, unfortunately, he was a part of a scandal that was criminal. Um, a scandal that um, led to his firing, and then led to uh, a ten-year prison sentence. Um, in that season, um, Jay Leno told a joke about him, and on the Tonight Show, Dr. Phil called us several times, trying to get us on uh, to uh, to process as a family on t- on television. And uh, ABC and NBC News called my cell phone asking for interviews. So no it was very public, um, very, very public news story in the Chicagoland area in, uh, in during that year. And then uh, for a little while, briefly, it was a national story for like three days, like most news cycles that are national.
0: And I think, again, there's a lot of things where clarity is important in this conversation. I think specifically Delineating between what is legitimate abuse that requires a person to never be restored within the church uh, versus what is a you know a consensual affair and something that can be worked through through counseling. I mean, there are some things here that really need to be discussed um, that just don't. It's broadly just talked about as church hurt and people that have been hurt by the church and people that have, uh, he uses the word, fallen. Over and over and over again.
1: But you've got the biblical call for restoration of someone who's fallen. You need discernment. Is this, um, is this a wolf in sheep's clothing? Uh, is this person Was this person ever a follower of Jesus? Is this a cult leader? Right? Like that's a, a different approach uh, yes. to dealing with like David Koresh from Waco, if he would have survived, yeah. and dealing with a pastor who fell. Yeah. Um, and when a pastor falls, and by the way, when we use, we're, when we use the word fall, because this has actually been a complaint. When we use the word fall, we're not using a dismissive term like trying to underemphasize what they did. The word fall is a theological term. Adam damned all of mankind when he fell. So so it's a very serious term to fall. Uh, We're not talking about someone who just tripped and accidentally abused or hurt somebody. We're not trying to use dismissive terms. We're pastors, so we use theological terms.
0: And um, to be completely honest, listening to this episode, it reminded me a lot of a recent episode that uh, David Hiles did with... um, with, uh, I think David Baker is, is, I think his first name is David, uh, Pastor David Baker, where they talked about restoration and restoring people who had quote unquote fallen. And this episode felt so similar. It was uh, all about restoration. It was all about people who've fallen, but with no clarity as to what any of those things really, really mean. A lot of the conversation throughout the episode was about forgiveness and uh, healing. And it was honestly... Again, very unhelpful. Uh, there was not a lot of conversation here about uh what uh, why forgiveness is needed first and foremost between a victim and a abuser um and then furthermore, uh when it came to healing uh ultimately, Ken just started promoting his Rafa room, which is essentially a prayer room within the church and Um, you know, again, no conversations about therapy, no conversations about, um, you know, separating yourself from your abuser, establishing boundaries. It was, you need to pray,
3: um, and forgive your abuser. Rafa is the name healer of uh, Yahweh Rafa. He's the healer. So you have a room for healing. Can you explain what to the listener? What is it? What is a Rafa room?
1: That could be its own episode. Um, you know, uh, John G. Lake started healing rooms in Washington State. I don't know if he was the first one to do this. In fact, I know he wasn't. But uh, his healing rooms led directly to the formation of Mayo Clinic. So uh, he, had a, he had a massive role, and his followers and, and co-laborers had a massive role in starting actual hospitals. But in that season, um, they ministered to body, um, soul, and spirit. And so I think having a, a, the idea of a healing room goes back generations.
3: Yeah, I wanted to just put this kind of towards the front end of the episode, is that um, if you've gone through the hurt and if you're carrying wounds, body, soul, or spirit, that you can contact Ken's church, my church, Josh Smith's church. um, And we would love to get you in here and have just a private prayer uh, experience for you to find the healing that's needed. And I mean, this is yeah. how fruitful of a ministry this is we, we want to help you so we i just kind of want to put that not yeah. at the end of the episode please contact we, we us we deal with we deal with predominantly we deal with a ton of things but the things that seem to
1: come to us over and over again are addiction fear and uh dealing with church hurt or family hurt family wounds so i'd say those are probably four of the top five that we deal with um on a consistent basis and it's not that we're advertising those are our four things come to us if you have these things it's just that when people come or call us and need need prayer and ask for an appointment, that's what it, it tends to be. So
3: Yeah, I would say if you can identify the fruit in your life, you know, a, a lot of times it's the fruit that bothers us. You know, some man has a pornography addiction. He's really aggravated about that. Well, that's bad fruit. And what we want to do in these um, prayer rooms is to take you to the roots of the thing and find and and, and go back towards this is when you got rejected as a child. This is when you got rejected by your spiritual father, your spiritual pastor, you know, your leader. And uh we want to help dig out those roots and find healing in God. And I mean, it's real. It's real. So we can yeah. stand here in freedom and say, yes, the Lord just ripped those strongholds right out of my chest. And here I stand able to bless those who have cursed me and, and so on. And so um I want to make that very clear that there is like surgical ministry that can happen to, to set anyone free.
0: They take it into such a spiritual direction that they warn that uh, victims with unforgiveness, what they call it, are actually opening themselves up to demonic forces and demonic possession, which is honestly, again, a disturbing and disgusting thing to put on the shoulders of a victim and not onto a predator.
3: Jesus Christ actually says if we're harboring unforgiveness, We're making space for the demons in my life. I'm being thrown to demons. And Paul reiterated this in Ephesians chapter four when he said, you let the sun go down on your wrath and you give place to the enemy, which, I mean, that's just another way of talking about unforgiveness. So, I mean, we're coming at this going, dude, I don't want any victim to have a worse situation by their own unforgiveness and by extension, an open door to demons, yeah. You know, we don't want you to have the the, the wound and demons, right? We, we want you free right. and clear of all of this stuff. And that's yeah. that's where we're coming from.
0: They talk a little bit about the American justice system versus spiritual justice, again, in a very unhelpful
1: way. The American justice system will never satisfy that wound in your heart. There needs to be justice. Um, and uh, there's laws on the books that demand justice. But the righteousness of God and the healing power of Jesus are a separate thing. So some churches get criticized. I've seen this. It hasn't happened to our church so I'm aware of, but I've seen churches that do this kind of ministry be criticized because they allowed, they allowed a, um, a person who s- served their prison sentence, um, come to their church afterwards. And they get criticized for allowing that. And they had, they had rules in place for whatever. And this isn't, this isn't about anybody that's that, that I know personally, but just, uh, um, what I've seen, uh, from a distance. And it's like, well, um, the American justice system played its role, but that person still needs Jesus in their life. They have to find it somewhere. And uh, it's very hard for people to kind of separate the two, right? Like the Lord is going to do his thing. And also there's the law is going to do its thing. And uh, I've seen it get really messy where um, people just say, because they broke a law, they should never be allowed to, to do church again. Um, and that that just doesn't, jive with what the scriptures teach
0: and uh then they have uh surprise surprise the end of the conversation uh really dives into restoring people who uh have again quote unquote fallen within the church which i think is just an unhelpful and dangerous topic uh to really dive into
1: jesus said love your enemies and bless them that persecute you pray for them that spitefully use you okay so that's very clear Mm mm-hmm Right? Like, if there's a person oh, yeah. you hate and you, you you want God to kill them, you know, you want a millstone to be hung around their neck and for them to be thrown straight into hell. Oh, yeah. You need to pray for them. That's what Jesus would tell you. That's what he did tell us. Yes. It does not mean – look, look, forgiveness is not a dismissing of sin. Jesus uh, forgave us and he paid for our sin. By forgiving us, he did not wipe away uh, the damage of our sin – he dealt with the damage of our sin.
0: And one last kind of crazy curio from this episode is Ken Skopp, uh, who is now, I guess, uh, professing to be charismatic uh, in some way within his ministry, uh, recounts this vision that he claims he had from God, which is just absolutely bizarre. So you'll have to listen to that for yourself.
1: Okay, here, here's a crazy uh, uh, little charismatic story for you. I had a vision – last year in the prayer room here at the church. And I had no context for the vision. Like there wasn't, wasn't something I was thinking about, but I was just asking the Lord what he wanted to show me about ministry. And he showed me all of these warriors in a field with arrows in their back. And um, I went through the field, and just saw all, these, all these men that were wounded. And then he showed me a tent where there were, the tent was filled, like a civil war tent, almost. A civil war medic tent. Uh, Civil War Hospital, just rows and rows of wounded people on cots. Wow. And then he took me outside the tent, and he showed me all of these potential doctors, potential healers, uh, potential leaders arguing with each other. And so you have a field full of dying people, you have a hospital full of dying people, and you have leaders arguing and not ministering to these dying people. Yeah. And I think that's a a great picture of the church, right? We're arguing over the best method. But again, I've linked to their full podcast in today's show notes. You
0: can find that there. Listen to the entire thing for yourself uh, if you would like to and see if you agree, disagree with some of the points that I'm making here. But ultimately, I would just say, and I think people can tell from the highlights of this episode, if you can call them that, that this is not a helpful episode on this topic whatsoever. Uh, But anyway, that's a couple of the stories that have happened and come across uh, my way in the last week or so. I wanted to cover those on today's episode. Let me know what you thought of this Breakdown episode. Kind of, uh, I want to give kind of a digest of some of the stories that have happened within the past week and in recent time that need to be addressed and need to be heard about. Uh, Let me know if you like this format. Let me know if it's something you'd like to hear more about. I know so many of you are listening to the show to keep up to date on some of the happenings within the IFB movement and uh, some of the adjacent circles to that, uh, like. Churches that were IFB have moved into the more, you know, fundamentalist sects of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. But uh, wanted to try out this format. Wanted to put together a piece of uh, content that would break that down in an easily digestible way and uh, really hope this episode was helpful to those that are listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. I truly do appreciate all the support, all the incredible people uh, that have gotten connected through this show and uh, look forward to seeing you guys in tomorrow's episode with the one and only Jon Snow. One of the best interviews I think that uh, I've gotten to be a part of in a little while. Uh, really love this conversation. And uh, I felt knocked off my game as an interviewer in the conversation because the episode hit me emotionally like a Mack truck. And um, John is just an amazing person, shares an amazing perspective on his story. And I hope you'll tune in to that episode as well. Again, the best people to listen to when talking about uh, church hurt, church abuse is survivors themselves. So I hope you'll listen to tomorrow's episode with John Snow. Again, that drops on Sunday. And uh, thanks again for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. I'll catch you in the next episode.
1: Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc.